get your family vehicles ready for summer driving with early Memorial Day deals at Dobbs. Click on GoToDobbs.com for money, saver retire, and service deals today. Dobbs. With 43 locations, real deals are always close by. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This is a character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. During these unprecedented times, the county executive, Dr. Sam Page, has been exceptionally busy. And because of that, we really do appreciate him taking some time with us on the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line on 101 ESPN. Dr. Page, it's always great to talk to you. How are you doing this morning? Good morning. Well, there's a lot of activity in in St. Louis County, and we're uh, navigating these very difficult times. No doubt about it. And you said yesterday that we'll probably be able to start reopening May 18th. What what do you look like as probably? What could prevent May 18th from being your the date that we hit to start the reopening process? Well, if we see a sudden or unexpected tur- turn in the statistics, um, we would reevaluate what that reopening might look like um, in the way of um, businesses and, and, their, and their allowances or, or uh, changing the date. But really looking at the trend from yesterday and from the past couple of days, we're trending in the right direction. Uh, we just need to get there. We need to continue to drop our hospitalizations and our hospital admissions. And as importantly, we need to make sure that we have the testing capacity in St. Louis County to test everyone who is symptomatic and everyone who is asymptomatic in a high-risk setting. Dr. Page, one of the things that you spoke about yesterday was that some non-essential businesses would be able to open come that May 18th deadline. What falls under some of these businesses? Can you expand to our listeners what potentially some businesses could be reopening? Well, we're working on that right now and, and, and talking to uh, Mayor Cruson's office and our public health officials are working on those details. And we'll have guidelines tomorrow um, exactly uh, what that looks like and what those guidelines are. But we're really not uh, ready to talk about those details until we have the guidelines available. But in general, uh, businesses that will be reopening um, on May 18th who choose to reopen, and we recognize that uh, many will want to wait uh, still yet until the environment gets better. Uh, We'll have to um, impose social distancing guidelines, uh, masks for their employees, screening and uh, temperature checks will be recommended as well for any employee coming to work. And uh, they'll have the right to uh, uh, refuse to take care of anyone um, or serve anyone who uh, doesn't uh, uh, wear a mask coming into the establishment. And we think that's important uh, because we, we know the public health guidelines, we read them and we see what works around the country and around the world until we have an effective medical therapy, until we have a vaccination, the way we limit the impact of this community, uh, the virus in our community, the spread of this virus, and it's um, uh, really deadly impact on, on some individuals, the only way to limit that is with social distancing. Dr. Page, I'd like to know what the requirement for face masks looks like. How, who enforces that? Is it incumbent upon the store to enforce that? And what happens if somebody wants to come into a business that isn't wearing a face mask? Well, there are always folks that want to uh, challenge common sense or challenge authority, or sometimes they're having a big day and they're a bad day and they're just uh, looking for a conflict. 
Uh, we hope to not see that. Um, what we've seen around the community is the vast majority of people, there are you know, 30,000 businesses in St. Louis County, the vast majority uh, want to know what the right thing to do is, what the safe thing to do is, and they want to do it. And I think we see that in our community as well. We'll ask people, we'll strongly, strongly encourage members of the public um, because it's, it's a safe thing to do, it's the right thing to do, to wear a mask when you're out in public and you're unable to be six feet away from uh, others. Uh, the social distancing is extraordinarily important, but wearing a mask is as well. We hope our businesses will use good judgment in having these conversations. They will be diplomatic and polite, um, but uh, we, we do not uh, believe that any business should be forced to be exposed to uh, someone who's not wearing a mask, and we hope that um, that conversation will be thoughtful and appropriate. Dr. Page, the stay-at-home orders were initially put into place to contain the virus and to flatten the curve. And uh, I think a lot of people out there are nervous that the easing of restrictions will lead to an increase in cases and potentially helping the virus spread. Do you anticipate that that will happen? And if so, how are you planning to attack that if, in fact, the cases do go up? Well, what we need to get through this epidemic, until we have a vaccine, until we have effective medical therapies, we need to be able to, to test uh, individuals who have symptoms or have been exposed to someone who has symptoms. We need to be able to test them. We need to be able to isolate them and uh, find the people that they've come in contact and give those individuals instructions about symptoms and exposure and quarantines. And that uh, testing, isolation, contact tracing, and quarantine process is extraordinarily important so we can focus on individuals who are sick, who are exposed, and let the others move about more freely. We know that when we ease social distancing guidelines, there will be um, an uptick of the spread of the virus in our community. We'll be watching that very closely. We'll be watching the testing numbers. We'll be watching hospital admissions, and we'll be tracking this. We also know that many individuals will just not be ready to come out of their homes. They'll want to they'll want to stay home. They'll want to work from home whenever possible. And um, we know that there will not be a, a big surge of activity as our residents are cautious and are watching the testing results and waiting to see what happens. Dr. Sam Page, the county executive of St. Louis County with Carriker and Smallman on 101 ESPN. And Dr. Page, last time I talked to you in the fast lane, uh, we, you were talking about having to negotiate for personal protective equipment. I want to uh, kind of throw this under the same umbrella with testing. How are you doing in terms of having equipment for hospital employees and with testing? Well, hospital uh, hospitals are holding their own on their PPE. Um, they have a, a steady supply chain. It's not, um, you know, as extraordinary, but it's adequate. And we are now able to purchase PPE in St. Louis County. We're sharing that with vulnerable populations. We're getting that into nursing homes and congregated uh, living facilities. We know that uh, our, our senior residents in nursing homes with chronic medical problems are the most vulnerable, and we're paying very close attention to those populations. We are sharing masks with uh, uh, underserved areas where uh, folks may not have access to them, some of our more, more uh, vul vulnerable populations. And uh, we're purchasing masks by the millions and trying to help get those to the folks that need them the most. Dr. Page, when we just spoke about a potential increase in new affections once these restrictions are eased, is there a number or perhaps uh, a, a certain set of data that you guys are looking at that says, okay, if we do ease these restrictions, but then infections get to X point, we're going to have to put some more back into place? Or are you guys just taking this day by day and evaluating as you go? We'll be watching the numbers every day. We won't make a uh, 
a decision based on a single snapshot of a day, but we'll be watching trends in the numbers, testing results, um, hospital admissions, and we're going to be working very closely with our public health officials, the pandemic task force, our hospital systems for expert advice so we make uh, good and thoughtful decisions based on science and public health. Dr. Page, I always have to ask about county parks because I'm a regular user. And last week you reopened the parks, and I want to know what your satisfaction level is with people returning to the parks. Well, everyone has gotten the message, and I think that's a good indicator of where we're going as a community. Social distancing is serious. It's our new normal. That's how we stay healthy. That's how we get through this window of time until the vaccine is widely available and we can get back to our lives like they used to be. But I am very encouraged and inspired by how our residents have responded to our social distancing instructions in our parks. It did take us a time, a little bit of time to get those signs up, to get our trails marked for one-way traffic, and uh, everyone has been in compliance, and um, I'm really impressed with how our community has responded. And finally, Dr. Page, a lot of parents listening that have uh, baseball and softball players, can you envision a scenario this summer in which in St. Louis County, youngsters would be able to play youth baseball and or softball? We're not ready to make that call yet. We're, we're going to make that decision based on the data. And we're going to, as we have a, a, a small easing of our social distancing restrictions and our stay-at-home orders here in our community, we're going to be tracking the compliance with social distancing, tracking people wearing masks. We'll be tracking um, the uh, uh, test results and hospital admissions, and then we'll make a decision on uh, uh, more uh, gatherings and uh, more crowded activities. But we are uh, not ready to um, encourage or allow any sort of gathering at this point until we know it's safe to do so, especially for our kids and young families. All right. Dr. Page, we always appreciate you taking the time. Thanks for the work that you're doing for the citizens of St. Louis County, and hopefully we'll talk soon. Thank you. Thank you, sir. That is the county executive, Sam Page, with us on 101 ESPN. And it does ultimately, Michelle, come back to testing and obviously a flattening of the curve, which apparently we're seeing good news in regards to at the moment. Absolutely. And I think the the thing that gave me at least the most comfort listening to Dr. Page is him saying, yeah, we still are going to be evaluating the data every day. We aren't going to say one finite thing or another because we, we are going to be making thoughtful and intentional decisions based on the current data that we have. And that obviously includes putting a, a group of players in a ballpark like Bush Stadium and uh, the rules are going to apply to the Cardinals as they are to and obviously the Cardinals play in the city, so Lida Cruz would have to answer that question. But the, the rules are going to apply to sports teams as they apply to the rest of society. Can't wait to get back to Bush Stadium. Yeah, me either. But I can't, I'll be happy when Cardinal players are back at Bush Stadium. Sam, <laughs> you know, can we just get someone yeah, back at Bush Stadium? If we just have Danny Mac talking about Cardinal baseball, that'd be great. And by the way, uh, we want to mention again, Paul DeYoung will be with Danny Mac on Scoops with, it, with Danny Mac coming up in the 10 o'clock hour here on 101 ESPN. Next up, though, you're killing me, Smalls, on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. One of my favorite segments of the day is You're Killing Me, Smalls, on 101 ESPN. Boy, Randy, do I have a story for <laughs> you. You remember Earl Thomas? Yeah. Raven Safety, Legion of Boom, 
what many would say would be a good locker room guy, certainly a leader on that Seahawks team, right? Well, let me take you back, Randy, to April 13th, 3.41 a.m. in Austin, Texas, okay? Mm-hmm. Earl Thomas had a day. So he gets into an argument with his wife about his drinking, and he leaves the home he had his brother Seth pick him up. This is important. And his wife is upset that he left and that his brother picked him up. So she logs into his Snapchat account. That's right, his Snapchat account. And she finds video on the Snapchat of Earl with another woman. Not great. So she uses the Snapchat account to track his location. She finds him at a near Airbnb rental home. And she calls up two other women to help her confront Earl at the place, mind you. Social distancing not being enforced here in any way, shape, or form. No. So what does she do? She sees he he's clearly with another woman. He's stepping out on her. She calls up her girls to come help her confront, and she grabs Earl Thomas's pistol with the intention to scare him. This buckle up, Randy. This is where the story gets wild. <laughs> the women bust into the home. They discover Earl and Seth, the brother, naked in bed with other women. Oh, man. So we got some sibling action, multiple women action. Again, social distancing not being enforced in these times. Nina (laughs) freaks out. She pulls out the gun. She puts it to Earl's head. She's thinking at the time that the magazine and the gun couldn't fire, but the cops later inform everyone that she was unaware the gun actually had a round in the chamber. Mm. One of the women in the house, they're shooting cell phone video of this incident, which is showing Nina with the gun to Earl's head. He wrestles it away from her. She's hitting him in the face. It's this big tussle. Uh, Then basically the mistress is at the scene. Nina is threatening all the women in the house saying, I've got something for all you hoes as she's waving the gun. (laughs) Then one of her other friends in the scenario is carrying a knife. She's swinging it aggressively during this altercation. The cops are called. You know, they're they're basically detailing all of the story. It gets leaked to TMZ, what went down. And obviously TMZ Mm -hmm. publishes it. And Earl Thomas had to speak out about this instance. He took to social media to explain what happened. So my agent just hit me and said that I'm going to be on uh, TMZ tomorrow from an altercation that happened with me and uh, Nina. I just wanted to get ahead of it. I mean, it's really not anybody's business. It's pissing me off that it got out, but it's the world we live in today. Instead of talking about us, just keep us in y'all prayers. Stuff like this happens, bro. We try to live the best lives we possibly can, but sometimes it don't go as planned. Pray for us, you know, as we go through this stuff. You know, we're back talking. You know, I'm, I'm seeing my kids. So uh, just keep us in your prayers. Slata, unpack you, but <laughs> I, I want to start at the end. Stuff like this happens? Really? <laughs> yeah, Earl. We we know you're out there living your best life. Okay, we are aware. <laughs> All right. Uh, we... We are in the midst of a pandemic, okay? I can I can understand if with the proximity how you can have an argument. Okay, Earl, you don't maintain extramarital affair relationship information on your Snapchat. Big mistake, stupid mistake. Leaving it at home, okay? Uh 
Secondly, when you do leave stuff on your Snapchat, don't set it up so that you can be found with your hose at your Airbnb. <laughs> That's problem number two. Number three, don't leave the gun unlocked with an angry wife in Texas. All right? That's, that's just a bad—that's like the wheel of misfortune. It, you, three of the five— it's you're you're in a, a bad situation. Number four, you're naked in bed with your brother. <laughs> ooh, I don't care how many holes are between you. Ooh, just ooh. <laughs> and uh, finally, Nina, come on, your husband is a safety. All right, you don't go around with a loaded gun and think, oh, it's not loaded, it's safe. It's unbelievable. And by the way. Uh, the hose. I, I know that they're probably trying to work their way through college or something like this, but not with two brothers, okay? It's it's just gross. Or during a pandemic when you're not supposed to go out or see anyone. Yeah. Unreal. And and at an Airbnb, how'd you like to be the owner of that Airbnb? You know, <laughs> they better leave a great review. <laughs> It's just as I'm reading this story, you see you see the beginning of it and it's oh Earl Thomas leaves his house where he's supposed to be quarantined to hook up with his mistress. Then the brother is involved. Then there's multiple women <laughs> and he and the brother are naked in bed together with the women. Then the wife and her friends roll up with a gun and a knife, confront him. It's just it's like one layer after another gets crazier and crazier and then for his response to be like, "Yep, these things happen. <laughs> it's like, what? what is the state of your life that this is a normal thing that could happen? Well, and, and there are some days, leaving the brother out of it, where he could be leading his best life. <laughs> it could be intriguing, interesting, but uh, not with the brother. <laughs> How do you... St- <laughs> I mean, I this is when I wish I wish for many reasons that the world was back to the way we we used to have it. But imagine the the questions that he would have to answer to the media during a time like this. Yeah. Are you intrigued by the videos? Oh, of course. Aren't you? I want to see them. Aren't you? <laughs> if you could ask him one question about this scenario, would it be why was your brother in the bed? That would be the the number one question. Yes, it would. I think my number two question is. Snapchat? Really? I thought that that was kind of down by the wayside. Also, I think, you know, listen, I've never had an affair or side piece, but I would think that rule number one, kind of like Fight Club, is to not document it. That was kind of stupid on his part. And he's a smart guy. He's a leader. Come on. You're better than that, Earl. Yeah, he. <laughs> never mind. Even... Should be. I'm not even going to. I'm Randy. I'm not even going to go there. <laughs> Uh, so another NFL player who's been in the headlines is Jake Cutler. Unfortunately, he yeah, and Kristen Cavallari, sad. their marriage is breaking up. They're getting divorced. Well, according to page six, because a lot of people were saying, hey, I watched them on this reality show. I was emotionally invested in this relationship. Weren't they just quarantining on the beach together? Where did this come from? I am blindsided. People were wondering what happened. Well, according to some sources, Kristen Cavallari was saying that she wanted to get out of this in part because Jake Cutler was lazy and unmotivated. That's new? (laughs) (laughs) This is a guy that used to do a radio show in Denver when he was a rookie, and he'd have to have a couple of pops before he went on because he just couldn't handle the stress, and he... He was lazy and unmotivated as a rookie in Denver. He was probably lazy and unmotivated as a quarterback at Vanderbilt. 
And clearly anybody who ever watched that show, and I watched that show, knows that from the very first time that show was ever filmed, he was lazy and unmotivated. She's just figuring this out now. I was going to say, don't you know certain things about your partner before you marry them? Look at his face. (laughs) Yeah. I will say I did watch season one of their show for content purposes for our podcast for our show mm-hmm. and Jake Cutler surprised me because I went in thinking mm, Jake Cutler kind of like a blah guy I think Maybe you want to punch yeah punchable face mm-hmm. smoking Jake Cutler I'm, I'm thinking of him on the on the bike on the sidelines you know that was my <laughs> impression of Jake Cutler and he's actually very funny and just kind of doesn't care and does his own thing and I appreciated that out of him. Oh. I think a lot of people would love to live that life where you're a millionaire and you could just say, hey, guess what I'm doing today? I'm going to putter around and do this. That's how talented he was. That He made about $150 million and he never cared. And he can sit on the couch and say, yeah, I don't want to do it. Because who's going to tell him to? He, he can be as lazy as he wants. Apparently Kristen tried. Didn't work out. <laughs> lazy and unmotivated Jay Cutler. Bulletin. <laughs> yeah, newsflash. <laughs> Randy, I wanted to share this with you. Earlier in the week, we talked about Don Shula and how he unfortunately passed away. Obviously legendary. He had a good run. Come on. He did have a good run. Legendary Miami Dolphins head coach. We, we, We love Don Shula. We respect him. We revere him. Yeah, thoughts and prayers. Thoughts and prayers. Another reason, Randy, that you're going to love him is because uh, one of his peers, as far as the winningest coaches in NFL history, Bill Belichick, Shula was not a fan. Not a fan of Belichick. One of his former stars in Miami, Dick Anderson, was doing uh, an interview on a radio show and explained why Shula didn't like Belichick, and he Anderson says, quote, he called Belichick Belichick. He was straightforward. He was, this is how we have to do it. These are the rules, and this is what we're going to follow. He didn't like, I think, the people that didn't follow the rules when he did. Just another reason to love Don Shula, and he was open about it, and you remind me of it. I, I had forgotten. But if you're somebody whose legacy is threatened by a guy who does or has cheated, the Patriots, uh, in fact, I have a, a patch that says Patriots 19-0. and 0. I think Freeze Pops remembers that 19-0 and 0 season very well. I gave you that for Christmas one year. I know. <laughs> uh, <laughs> if, if your legacy as the only unbeaten, untied team in the history of the league is threatened by a guy who did nefarious things to win games, then I think you have the right to express your displeasure at him. So, yeah, that's another. And not only think it, but say it. And by the time Don Shula said that, he was 80. Mm-hmm. It's awesome. It's great. I'm glad he did. What, what, what do you think the age is when old men don't care what they say anymore? That's a great question. 65780, the Air Comfort Service text line. Your dad or you, when did you quit caring? Or when did your dad quit caring what he said? You know, I'm not going to put a specific age on it, but I'm going to say after retirement, because once you don't have to worry about the ramifications of what you say potentially impacting your pocket, I think I would just let it fly. <laughs> and a lot of people do. Yeah, you why know not? what I mean? With like a guy if, like that, why not? Why not? I mean, in reference to Don Shula, too, he had already proven everything he yep. needed to. I mean, he, yeah, and at this point, it's him protecting his legacy, so I would say whatever I wanted to. And you're right about it depends on the guy because Rex Ryan has been that way forever, right? right? Ditka is that way. Buddy Ryan, I think, was that way for his entire life. But Don Shula, he was pretty measured as a head coach. Mm-hmm. But then once he got to be 
7580. Just yeah, let it fly. Yeah, because it's always a risk-reward, depending yeah. on what you say, especially if you're going to say it publicly. But if I don't have to worry about getting another job and I don't have to worry about caring what other people think because it's going to affect my paycheck, then yeah, I would I would go ahead and let the truth fly on, on what I thought about certain people in certain situations. Okay. And texts, what about moms? Why just as? Okay, great. You're right. Uh, some moms quit caring. I think men, males generally quit caring. At least it's more noticeable. But you're right. There's a lot of moms out there that quit caring what they say. So uh, 618, I quit caring at the age of 30. Uh, from the 618, well, how old are you, Randy? I'm 57, but I care what I say. There's some things that I, well, I think them, but I have a filter still. Okay. And I, I'm wondering when that filter deteriorates. Uh, from the 314, 60 years old. From the 636, 61. Uh, from the 618, 35, for, at least for some. Here's another one from the 309, 60. Uh, here's one uh, from the 618. My dad's been saying stupid stuff since 78. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, here's a really good one. Uh, I'm tw- This is from the 314. I'm 28, almost 29, and I stopped caring when I turned 14, I think. May have gotten me into a little more trouble than I thought, but it's worth it. And uh, from the 573, I pretty much stopped caring about what I said after I came back from Afghanistan in 2011. I was 31, and that'll age you, so I totally get that. From the 636, no filter since the age of 30. So we've got a wide variance here. But it seems like the most popular numbers being reported are 60 or 60, 30s. Right. Here's one. Uh, 30 is when I didn't care anymore. I'm 47 now. <laughs> From the 636, I stopped caring when I was 8. 8? <laughs> yeah. I, w- I would love... See, this is when I would love to speak to these people. What happened at age 8 for you to just say, you know what? I'm going to I'm gonna let it rip. I don't care anymore. Yeah. <laughs> Right. Like what happened? Something has to happen in your youth for you to not care. Who hurt you? Who hurt you? Because I can promise you, at age eight, I was still afraid of authority. I was afraid of my parents. I was afraid of the Me principals. Too. I did not want to get in trouble. Yeah. I didn't want to get grounded or suspended. So, what happened to you at age eight where none of those things affected you? Here's another one from the 618. I'm 26 and stopped caring what I said at about 20. And then from the 314, the tr- filter is truly gone at the age of 80. Oh, 100%. So, and I think 60 is a pretty good number. I, From my observation of uh, people as they get older, I think 60 is a pretty accurate number. So thanks and, for the text. And you're 57, Randy? Yeah, but I'll, I'll have a filter because I have built-in filters because of FCC rules and regulations. True. And I'm, you've known me for a long time. I'm not somebody who curses a lot. No. But I also... There, there are some things, and hey, there are people on the radio that are highly successful that don't have a filter. But I think in our venue, in the sports venue, I think it's smart just to keep it being the toy store of life and not, not make it as serious by having no filter. Is there, if you had the filter removed, is there one thing that you would truly like to say? Or do you think it would be situational for you? Oh, it would totally be situational. Yeah, yeah, same. No there's, there's, it. there's nothing that I feel like I haven't spoken the truth about because mm-hmm. of our job or the restrictions or me not wanting to hurt other people's feelings in my life. I think it would be situational. I read an article once about lying about white lies, and people mm-hmm. tell 
white lies every single day. It's literally part of your daily routine to tell minute mm-hmm. little lies. And it's not even that you're trying to be dishonest. It's protecting people's feelings or trying to be polite. It's just part of the way that we communicate with one another. So if you even think about removing that, like if I brought in cupcakes and they were disgusting, you would still say, oh, thanks for bringing these in. They're delicious. You wouldn't be like, wow, these are gross. And that's why I could never be a boss because I'm a total people pleaser. So even when somebody screws up, I'd say, "Oh, you're fine. No, we're, uh, we, let's do this." But, but I would never say, "Hey, that was not good. You've got to change and be better." I, I would I would use more of a positive reinforcement approach, which doesn't work all the time. Yeah, but I think it's appreciated if you're the person messing up. <laughs> <laughs> True. Uh, thanks for a fun game of your killing me smalls. That was great. I love the Earl Thomas story. <laughs> I, I, I got to check it out on TMZ. <laughs> Next up, wild. we're going to talk with our buddy Jeremy Rutherford, our Blues insider from The Athletic. Next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. I believe it's our first visit in the uh, Character and Smallman show officially with our Blues insider from The Athletic, the one and only, the uh, very well quaffed and kempt Jeremy Rutherford is with us on the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line. JR, how you doing? How are you guys doing? Hey, congratulations on the show. Good to be with you. So back in the day when uh, JR and I covered the Rams, his nickname was Shaggy. <laughs> and it's my understanding that right now you literally are living up to that name. I'm back to the old days here, uh, finishing up a, a trip at the Ozarks. I'm looking over the water now. This is uh, day four or five, and I just took my first shower uh, since uh, Sunday, so uh, a little smelly up until a half hour ago. And uh, I have not shaved, so a little shaggy. That's great. Hey, I want you you got that nickname from the former Rams PR director, Rick Smith, who's one of my all-time <laughs> favorites. He's spectacular. What is, if you have one off the top of your head, your favorite Rick Smith story? Yeah, there's a bunch. There's a bunch. And you got to remember, I was probably, what, 20, early 20s at the time. And so I was just lucky to be in the, the Rams press box. I was watching you and Jim Thomas and everybody do their work. It was such a great time. But because I was the absolute lowest guy on the totem pole, uh, Rick Smith would routinely just come up to me and, and, hey, what are you doing? What are you working on? Hey, you know you're lucky to be in here, right? <laughs> so <laughs> he would just always feed it to me. But, you know, uh, if you go out there a lot and you did your work and, and work hard and, and didn't kind of loaf, uh, he respected you. So uh, Rick Smith, a great guy, and still follow him on Facebook. He's He's a legend. So after the, uh, after the word came out during the 2000s that – the information that the intel that the U.S. government had gotten about attacking Iraq was incorrect. Rick came out into the media room one day and said, you know, and he, he taught this is the way he talks, you know, if uh, if I were the, the president's press secretary, I'd just come out to the podium and say, hey, look, Bushy blanked up. <laughs> <laughs> That's how he said it. He was great. <laughs> uh. That's amazing. Uh, well, Jr. To change directions, uh, yeah. today is May seventh, which is a day that will always be one of the great days in St. Louis sports history. It was May seventh, Game Seven, Blues Stars, and number seven, the hometown kid Pat Maroon, getting that goal in to put the Blues ahead two one to send them to the next round in double overtime, the Stanley Cup playoffs. And one of my quarantine activities was to clean out different bags that I had, different purses, different backpacks, and in one of the backpacks that I had 
cleaned out, and this was literally last week, I pulled out an article that I had printed out, and it was the article that you had written for The Athletic after that game. And I sat down, and I read it, and it made me cry to relive that moment all over again through your words. And you did such an amazing job detailing what happened in the lead-up to that game with Pat Maroon's mother getting the text from one of his old teachers about maybe he would be the, the lucky one that night and about how she had the prayer card to his son reacting in that moment and then in the aftermath in the locker room with John Hamm. That story was, it was a movie. It was one of those things that we will never, ever, ever forget. So if you could, Randy and I were kind of sharing some stories earlier. Randy and I remember sitting in the press box going nuts and I'm thinking they have over 50 shots on goal. How are the Blues not scoring when they have over 50 shots on goal? But for somebody that had such a front row seat to the magic of that night, can you just take us back to that day? Yeah, it was just absolutely amazing. First of all, I'll start with uh, early in the day. You know, you have the morning skate at, at 1030, and I remember they were putting the uh, the towels out on the seats, and, of course, they all had the number seven. And some of us were saying, wouldn't it be wild if Pat Maroon uh, did something tonight? Obviously, we weren't uh, predicting anything like that. So you go on about the rest of your day, and uh, you get to the rink, and what a game, what an atmosphere, what a finish. Now you go down to the locker room, and there's his 10-year-old son, Anthony, high-fiving John Hamm here. So, you know, his mom and dad are hugging and kissing. His mom's pulling out a prayer card and saying, hey, I, you know, I held this uh, right before Pat scored. And I'm thinking, holy smokes, how am I going to put this into words? I, I can't imagine. So I stayed downstairs outside the locker room way longer than I ever have for any other game. I was probably down there till 1130 and uh, just uh, lingering, trying to get as much stuff as I could. I go back to the press box and I start writing my story. And I say, this is going to take forever. There's no way. I'm going to be able to finish this in the press box. So I go home, and let's say it's about 1 o'clock. I open up my computer, and we don't have a, a deadline. So I just start writing and putting in videos and putting in pictures. Before I know it, my kids are coming downstairs. I look at the clock. It's 6.30. They're getting ready for school. And uh, I say, oh, my gosh, I've got to finish this story. So I think I did about 7 o'clock, and it got posted. And a quick anecdote, this is probably two or three months ago. I'm flipping through my phone just, uh, you know, uh, looking at pictures. And I've got a series of about 15 pictures from that night. And you know how it is. You change phones eventually and you probably lose them. Well, I didn't want to lose these for Pat. So I text him and I said, hey, would you be interested in a bunch of pictures I had for the, from that night? And he said, for sure. So I just loaded them up and, and sent them to him. And, and he said thanks about 15 times. It was just, uh, you know, those are pictures that uh, you know, hopefully he'll – be able to hang on to and they meant something to me but uh, for him to be able to look back in that for years to come that'll be great that's so cool and everyone if if you need something to lift your spirits today go find jr's piece at the athletic it was just such a wonderful retelling of how special that night was and you know jr it's hard to believe that that was a year ago because of the state of the world right now everything feels like it was 10 years ago but so many magical moments happened during that blues run you had boom boom gunnerson you you had the hand pass game you have the pat maroon game but when you think about every detail that went into that game whether it was game seven the, the number seven you know april may 7th the the towels the fact that ben bishop the other hometown kid had a, an unbelievable game and there was just so many things that happened in that game so as far as storylines go is that one that you would put at the top of the list when it comes to the blue stanley cup run Absolutely everything, definitely. You mentioned two or three that you know I hadn't forgotten about, but uh, when you think about that day, you're going to bring up all those. Uh, ben Bishop, the St. Louis native, you know, you're a Blues fan. You certainly want the Blues to win, but I know uh, some people felt bad for, for Ben Bishop. And, and then uh, just uh, hockey in general in St. Louis, everybody 
uh, who's been following the team for decades knows that it typically ends in some sort of, oh my gosh, I can't believe that just happened. The season's over. And for it to be the complete opposite and for Robert Thomas and Pat Maroon to come off that faceoff and score that goal and, and just the place to go nuts and say, hey, they are going on to the third round. This team has a chance to win the Stanley Cup. You know, I've said this so many times, I'm probably uh, tiring people of it, but if you're going to wait 52 years to win a Stanley Cup, what better way to win it than with all those things that you mentioned and many more that yeah. went into that uh, run? JR, great memories. Always good to talk to you. Thanks for the the fun, and thanks for taking some time, and we'll talk to you next week. Thanks, guys. Talk to you next week. See you, my man. That is uh, Jeremy Rutherford with us from The Athletic on 101 ESPN. We're headed down the stretch, and uh, we're headed towards Scoops with Danny Mac, a crossover with Dan McLaughlin next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. Dan McLaughlin is here as he prepares for Scoops with Danny Mac from 10 to 11 here on 101 ESPN. Good Massive to see you. preparation, trying to cram it all in. It's only an hour. Just let it rip, baby. So <laughs> Just you, rip, baby. You got Paul E.D.? Yeah, Paul DeYoung has been kind enough to, uh, to come on the program, and I'm going to get into... Uh, just what he's doing to stay busy, stay sharp, stay ready. Uh, he's here in St. Louis. I know he's been working out with Colton Wong. And uh, you know what? The Jeff Passan report, the Ken Rosenthal report, uh, the news that we're hearing, it's all edging closer to hopefully having some type of baseball. And as I've tried to be since day one, guys, you got to be positive, okay? I know it's Groundhog Day, but let's be positive. <laughs> So I'm being positive. That's what I like to hear. Yes, sir. We're positive. Yeah, we're definitely positive. You guys are definitely positive. I, I enjoyed your uh, radio program today. I enjoyed Dr. Sam Page. I uh, did not agree with a lot of what Amsinger said, but I enjoyed it. Um, so it was all good, man. I, I, I was I like thinking it. of you as, as uh, Greg was making his point about his uh, TV pods because yeah. it didn't include the regional sports networks. Well, I don't think the regional sports networks then would be very pleased of uh, paying out billions of dollars no. and not having a chance to get it. I also think the local teams would say, now, wait a minute, are you going to make sure and do the uh, the cheeseburger hit of the day? And are right. you going to mm-hmm. make sure you're going to have this sponsorship and that sponsorship? And oh, by the way, there's some signage in the ballpark that we really want to have that on the air. So I, I thought his uh, take, while it made some sense, I'm not so sure that would be feasible, but it might be just to get baseball on the air. Who knows? Well, Dan, today is a special day in St. Louis Blues history and St. Louis sports history. Game seven, Blues stars, Pat Maroon, double overtime, hometown hero knocks it in. We were talking in the break. I'm a hometown hero. <laughs> what a moment. That. So Randy and I were talking about where we were during that moment. Where were you in that moment watching Pat Maroon get that goal? Well, I can say this, generally speaking, through that entire run, because our crew, the men and women of our crew for Cardinals baseball are also the crew for St. Louis Blues hockey, most of them. So um, they give me a lot of trouble, okay? Because I would come in and I'd say – what my dad used to say, and I tell, and these guys, Dan, are you watching the game? Yeah, 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 okay. I, I, you know, first round, couple wins, whatever. And I say, you guys understand. I hope you understand this. They are going to break your heart, okay? <laughs> so don't get emotionally wrapped up in this thing. And my dad would say, you realize, Dan, they're going to break your bleeping heart, okay? And I'm like a 10-year-old guy in tears watching the Maple Leafs, you know, beat the, the Blues back in the day or something. And so now we're going a little bit further along. 
and we're all watching and we're all paying attention to Blues hockey instead of what's going on on the field of a baseball game because we, we've got a couple of monitors wherever we go. So I was in the booth. I was watching. I was going nuts. We all went nuts. And um, it was great. I mean, it was just so much fun. God, I miss it. I miss the, the crowd. I miss being able to take my kids down to those games. We went to a couple of the Stanley Cup games. It was just, it was awesome. It was a great time to be a sports fan in St. Louis. I love the story about you guys being in Atlanta, and that was during the finals, right? With Chip Carey in the next booth? Oh, yeah, yeah. Chip was, and Chip is a, I just got off the phone with Chip, not even five minutes ago. And uh, Chip was born and raised here in St. Louis, so he is a huge Blues fan. And then, of course, you know, he works with Tom Glavin. Tom Glavin, great hockey player, was cheering for whatever team he had going. So they would wear, like, he would come to the ballpark in a blue sweater. It was hilarious. Well, That's Glavin's Chip a Boston guy. Exactly. So that was uh, the, the fight that we had. And so as the game was going on, as the, the Stanley Cup finals are going on, I'm in one booth. It's got a window. Chip, I can see Chip working with his guy. No one is paying attention to the baseball game. It's like, uh, yeah, okay, single to right. Oh, God, what a hit. You know, I mean, we're not, and, and he's like going crazy. I'm going crazy. No one was watching the baseball game. So it was, it was fun. It's awesome. a lot of fun. As you're recounting, though, that pain that so many St. Louisans and Blues fans have felt their entire lives, I don't know about you, but when Pat Maroon was the one to it's win awesome. it in that fashion to move them forward, I, for the first time, kind of let my emotional guard down and thought, Good. they can do this. They're really going to do this. Isn't the, the I don't know if Scott Rovac took the uh, the picture or if it was just from a fan that had a great camera, but when they're shaking hands... With the St. Louis flag? With the St. Louis yep. fl- flag, and there's Pat Maroon, and there's Ben... Bi- I got goosebumps, and there's Ben Bishop. It was like, wow, have we come full circle as a hockey hotbed not only in St. Louis, but really the United States and North America. We're, we're putting out unbelievable, talented players. And you think about the draft of five first-round picks a couple years ago, all these kids that are coming up. You had the ice complex being built, Enterprise Center's like a new building. You had the Winter Classic. You have the All-Star Game coming. And, oh, by the way, here's two of the primary guys in the center stage of what hockey world was watching with the flag in the back. I, I just thought that was symbolic of what was happening in our town. And Pat is still in town, and I'm sure he's listening. And... <laughs> We, we've been talking the last couple of days about the pro- prospect of bringing Albert back for his final year. And that glorious weekend last year would be such a great last memory for Albert. Or, and I think with Pat Maroon, it couldn't have ended any better. Yeah. If he comes back this year, it can't get any better than no. him winning the way they won last year. And I, I think from the business perspective, as much as I am a guy that, that plays on my own feelings and heartstrings and say, but I'd love to have Albert here. I would love to have Pat Maroon back i also have to be sensible to it and say what's best for my club mm-hmm. right and what's best for sports as i move forward petrangelo is a good example yep. like am i willing to go eight years for top money for him what's the back end of that deal going to look like i do think he's an exception to this but that is something that if you're the blues that you're facing right now exactly right now hey don't be calling me i'm on the air okay and i forgot <laughs> to hit my mute button That's probably brad thompson because he does probably, that. Probably. Because he knows you're on the air. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Uh, I, I agree with the idea of, I, I love sentiment, and, and I love the idea of having our guys be on the team. But you do have to look at it from a business perspective and with Petro. If you're the Blues, you're going to have a salary cap over the next few years. Now, obviously, this pandemic changes everything. Yes. But... If you're the Blues, to me, you're making a choice. If you sign Petrangelo, you're saying, okay, that we can't keep 
Pareko after two years. He's got two more years before he's a UFA. So, so I really do think if you're the Blues, you're making that choice between 27 and 55. Which one do you want to keep long term? What do you do with Justin Falk? I know you signed him, but you know, do you do you dangle him out there and see what you could do with that he and be creative? Doesn't have a no trade, and he's a guy that. And it depends on what you have coming up after next year. But he would be eligible for the expansion draft for Seattle. Really and good player. Jake Allen's got to go. I mean, you could get rid of that salary. Yeah, you could. Uh, where's Steen now in the plans? That would be a possibility. You could buy him out. Mm-hmm. Because there will probably be the amnesty buyout where all you have to do is pay cash, pay his contract off, and he wouldn't affect your capital. Exactly. So I, I, I think, though, to your original point... Um, and it's it's interesting in hockey with the escrow account and how that works with the the salary cap. But generally speaking, in all sports, what the pandemic is going to do. So when we're talking a year from now or two years from now, especially, what does sports look like? You know, I mean, if you don't have fans coming out, are fans going to be curious about coming out? Are they scared to come out? Will they come out in droves? I mean, all those things are part of what uh, I think the landscape changes for what you do with a roster because of the money that's involved on new year's day did either of you two know the difference between a pandemic and an epidemic no and i didn't want to me either i had no (laughs) idea i just know that this is not fun no it's pretty bad (laughs) yeah um i enjoyed your visit with uh dr sam page i thought he brought out some really interesting points about you know when we do open this thing up what's it going to look like in a couple of weeks how closely they are monitoring the various areas if we're seeing spikes and then so you know what happens to that and and that leads to me what the biggest question mark is with baseball and i i have not heard this or really any sport but i i'm tied into baseball and i know we got to go but you can bleed in my show because i'm the one that's doing it i don't care so what is the answer if somebody tests positive what is that answer I, and I'm assuming that would be in the, the proposal that's put out by Major League Baseball to the Players Association. But what is it? Like in the KBO, guy tests positive, they shut down the league for three weeks. No questions asked, it's done. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're talking about a bigger league. We're talking about spreading it out over the country. We're talking about home cities potentially. We're talking about support staffs. That means more people. Um, I, I just I, I don't know that answer. And I'd be, I'm, I'm so curious because I think that's the number one thing. I, I think they'll figure out the money. Players are going to have to give a little bit. It always comes down to money. There may be a butting of the heads, but you know, bigger things are out there. Like let's get it back on the field. But what happens if somebody in that traveling party, or specifically a player, gets it? And that's the key is when they're traveling, because when you're playing outdoors, most of baseball is automatically socially distanced. So it shouldn't be a a huge issue when they're playing. The big issue is going to be, as you say, travel, uh, when you're in in an airplane, in a hotel, when you're grouped together that way. I also think you're dealing with people uh, in any walk of life, not just sports, but you know, you're asking somebody to do this for four to five, maybe six months, and the guy, well, I'll just go out and grab a sandwich, or I'll go out and mm-hmm. grab a, a cocktail or something, be a human being, and all of a sudden you expose yourself, and you get it. What do you do? I mean, that is such a tough question to answer, at least from from my perspective. Yeah, it'll be, hopefully it'll be not much of an issue when we get things started. God, hopefully I hope we'll so. we'll be, be able just to have baseball and things will get better for us that's what we need all right so coming up on the show talk a little bit about the kbo do you like it would you accept it if that's how it's done here which 
you better get used to it. It's probably coming. Uh, obviously, a visit with Paul DeYoung. And then uh, I want to jump into a lot of mic drops and um, and the text messages as well. I always like getting into those. So that's coming up at 10. Love it. That's Danny Mac. Can't wait to hear from him. And a great job today from our producer, Tommy Freeze Pops Carroll, and our board operator, the one and only Colin Surrey. And, of course, it's always great to spend mornings with Michelle Smallman. Thank you. Thanks, Randy. I'll see you tomorrow. That is Carriker and Smallman on 101 ESPN. Danny Mac and Scoops with Danny Mac coming up next. And we will see you tomorrow at 7 here on 101 ESPN. That was the Carriker and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN.